I'm all set, Luther. There we go. Sorry, y'all. I got excited this morning, left the red room, forgot to put my microphone on. So that's my fault that I'm all not wired up on time. Isn't it so good? We've had a great day here at the Gate Church already. We got people being baptized, people being touched. We got people joining the church family. We just about go home. Not yet. No, Felix, it ain't time yet. I am so excited, and I just want you to know from me as your pastor that it really is one of the high points of my week, and I consider it such a privilege and an honor to be able to, this is a, maybe an old school term for some of us, but to eat together at the table of the Lord and to partake in Scripture together, the truth of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord, the ways of the Lord. They're so precious to me, and I know they're precious to you as well. And so thank you so much for allowing me the privilege and honor to speak to you today. So today, we are officially wrapping up a sermon series that we've been working through together since the beginning of the year. And so many of you know that sermon series has been called Cutting Wood. And the idea is, is that when you cut wood, it's something you have to do for yourself. It's not always fun. But when you do it, you're able to bring life into your home. It keeps you warm, lets you cook food, it lets you boil water to clean things. You need firewood. You needed firewood in the old days in order for life to go on. And so there's many things about our faith that are similar to cutting wood. And so sometimes it's not always glamorous. Sometimes it is not always fun. But how many of you know that it's the foundational things of our faith that will always keep us? It keeps us warm in the cold season. It helps us to feed our souls when times get lean. It helps to keep us healthy when we have to touch the difficulties of life. I wonder, is there anybody in here who's walked with the Lord and will help me testify and say, the foundational things of the Lord are tested and proven. You can count on them and you can build your life around them. Amen? And so we've discussed several different topics. I won't take time this morning to remind you of each of those. If there's one that you missed out on, I strongly encourage you to check us out on YouTube or on our website, and you can uh, stream those services from the rest of this series there. And so last week on Family Day, we launched a two-part series within the series about the spirit of adoption. And so I'm going to be finishing part two of that teaching this morning, but I need to let you know something. I am so excited for the series that we're launching next week. Uh, we're going to be launching a five or six week series that we have simply titled Unity. And the Lord started speaking to me before Christmas of last year. Um, he gave me some very specific instructions. He gave me some very specific topics to discuss and to talk about with this church body. And so we've been working, I've been working on those things for weeks and weeks. I'm very excited to share with you the truth of the gospel and to teach us all about the principle of unity. And I believe that in a world that is deeply divided, the call and the mission of the church is to live and walk in unity. And so please make sure you make the effort to be here next week and that you, if you can't be here, that you're able to tune in with us next week because I believe it's very important we take that journey together as a church body. 
And so I'm not going to read a huge passage of Scripture to get us going today to bring us up to part two of Spirit of Adoption, but I am going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. So if you have your Bible or if you have your phone, your version, whatever you prefer to use digitally, you can pull that thing out and look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says this, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so Paul is waxing very eloquent to impress upon his readers the significance and the power that God has intended all along that even when we were separated by sin and by death, his son Jesus would come to build a spiritual and relational bridge so that we would not be separated from our creator. We would not be estranged from our father, but that through Jesus, we would be adopted back into the family of God. With that in mind, let's pray just briefly together. Lord, we open our hearts to your word and to your scripture today. That's a good place for you to join in right there. Holy Spirit, we ask that you teach us and you reveal to us the power and the simplicity of your word. Lord, I exalt you today because you have taken the wonders of who you are and you have provided them for simple and humble men. Lord, thank you for taking your wisdom and making it so that no matter who we are, we can receive and we can be fed by the truth of the gospel. Lord, I ask that you use me to teach and to preach today. Help me to speak clearly and accurately. And Lord, we put our trust in you and our hope in your word that it will do what it has always done. It will change our lives forever. Lord, we promise you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen Amen and amen. And so I just need to remind you all, as I have just briefly described to you, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, although our species and our race was lost to sin and to death through our own choices and through our own will, a perfect son and sacrifice came to the planet. He put and he took on a skin suit. So the holy and eternal God became a man, just like me and you. And he lived in flesh, just like me and you. He understood our temptations. He understood our struggles. And yet he did not bow to the allure of sin. And in the garden, when his will was tested, he was under so much pressure that blood was 
pushing out through the pores of his skin along with his sweat. He cried out to his father and said, Jesus, Father God, if there is any way that I can go and do this a different way, if there's any way that I don't have to go to that cross, if there's any way that I don't have to be separated from you, God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, is there a way that we might could do that? But nevertheless, not my will, Father God, your will be done. And so I want to remind you today that your big brother, your king and your savior, your Lord and your master, he went to the cross for you in your place today. He went in my place. He paid the penalty for our sin. And what did he do? That was the short term. What did he do in the long term? He made a way for us to be reunited, reconnected with our Father and with our Creator. We were a species, if we were like a boat, we were a species lost in the ocean with no sail and no rudder to guide us. We were a slave to our sin nature and our sin will. We were trapped by the power of death. But Christ came to set us free and connect us back to the source of all life. And so now you're not who you used to be. And when you come into God's new family, you might look the same on the outside, but if we could see with our natural eyes what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your spirit, we would say that you are in fact a new creation. And the demonstration of you being that new creation, it comes out in the way we think, in the way we talk, in the way we conduct our lives through our work and through our actions. And so I need to remind you this morning that you're a part of a new family. You're a part of a new family. You're a part of a new household that supersedes all other forms of identity because we've laid down all of the old things at the foot of the cross. And so God's people, we are supposed to look different, sound different, sing different, dance different. Why? Because we're different. We have been adopted into a new family. And one of the things we were doing last week was we were looking at the natural process of adoption. And from those natural benchmarks and from those natural guard posts of adoption, we are extrapolating the wisdom of God. And so one of the things we discussed is that the adoption agency come and studies the home that they're seeking to place a child into. And how many of you know that uh, we have been adopted into a new home and a new family and that this is the record of our family narrative and that God in His goodness, in His thoroughness, and in His generosity, He has given us one of the most perfect works of literature that there has ever been or ever will be. It's by far the most accurate translation of text in all of the known world. It is by far one of the most thorough examples of our story in all of the world. And we have a record of our family history here in the Scriptures. One of the other things that an adoption agency will do is they require a health statement 
from the parents. And it makes very logical sense to us that we shouldn't put a young child with unhealthy parents who may in their flesh pass away in a short time. And then now the child has to start over again back at square one. We see the clear common sense in that. And when it comes to our spiritual father in heaven who is seeking to adopt us back into his family, Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 and 29 says this, have you not known? Have you not heard? He is an everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all the ends of the earth. He never faints and he never grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That means he knows things about things that you didn't even know were things. He understands things so deeply and so intimately, you will never be able to understand or comprehend. It doesn't matter how good you are at quantum theory. He understands things and he measures things that we will never be able to understand or to measure. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good health statement. Our Father God in heaven, he has made all things according to his good pleasure. He knows the boundaries, the limits. He understands the systems, the mathematics behind all of the world because those things originated in his heart and in his mind and as did we. So who better for us to join our lives to than a God who never ends nor never begins? We don't, he doesn't live in time. He created time. He holds all things in his hand and he is patiently waiting in heaven while his enemies are made his footstool. He doesn't grow weary and he doesn't grow faint. That doesn't mean he does, God doesn't take naps. Let me try over here. God doesn't take naps. He doesn't take bathroom breaks. He, does, he for sure does not need a smoke break because God is eternal. He is the source of all life, all light, and all energy. He has never known darkness because he is the light of our life. And so that means anytime you need him, he is ready, willing, and able. You can never wear him out or overtax him. He can never give give you too much grace, too much peace, or too much prosperity, because he is the source of all of those things. He is open for business, open for relationship 24-7. Now, I believe that is as bound as far as we got last week. There may be a bit of overlap, and if there is, you don't tell anybody and just roll with it, okay? So let's pick up the third point. The third thing that an adoption agency requires from potential parents is an income statement. And so many of us are familiar with this, that when a family is seeking to adopt a child, there needs to be a substantial savings account to account for emergencies, medical situations, college tuition, so on and so forth. So it makes sense. If you're going to have the baby, we need to make sure you can pay for it. And can I get any parents in here to give me a wave of testimony that having babies ain't cheap? Amen. Babies are not cheap, especially when your babies have an affinity for Air Jordans. 
Say, why do you keep wearing the same old boots? Because I keep spending the shoe money on Samuel to have Air Jordans. (laughs) And so I wonder if Jehovah God is able to afford all of us. There is, after all, about 7 billion of us, I believe. I think that's what the number is up to. Most of my school years, it was 6 billion. And so in just a few years, another billion of us showed up. Somebody's putting in work. (laughs) And it ain't me. I've just got two. Some people, they are taking the command to be fruitful and multiply quite seriously. The idea is is that when a child is moved into a new family, they don't have to be afraid, concerned, and they don't have to live with worry about whether or not their parents will be able to provide for them. And I think that because of our past experiences, many of us, we come to God as Father, and we don't have any frame of reference for what it means to be properly and adequately cared for. Some of us don't know what it means. For all of our needs to have been met. But if you don't mind, I have a few verses of scripture I would like to share with you. I want to remind you, church, that when it comes to our needs, the scripture tells us that he knows what we need before we even ask. Because Matthew 6 and 8 says, Therefore do not be like them, talking about Gentiles or people that don't know God, for your Father knows the things that you need. Before you ever ask, I need to remind somebody today, you've been asking God to help me with my mortgage, help me with my business, help me with my light bill. Whatever your needs are, I don't know, but God is in heaven. And not only does he have the means to meet the need, he has the attention that he's always watching. There's no detail that he doesn't see, and there's no need that you have that he is not The answer, Psalm chapter 50, verses 9 through 12 says this, I will not take even a bull from your house. This is God speaking to his people. And I will not take goats out of your flocks. For every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the fields are mine. Can I just remind you about something? The governments don't own the dirt. OPEC and Exxon and Mobile One, they don't own the oil in the ground. The logging companies don't own the trees. Chevrolet doesn't own the steel in the cars. Tesla doesn't own the cobalt and lithium in its batteries. Dell and Microsoft don't own the airwaves that the internet rides on. I'm just going to keep going. CNN and Fox News don't own the frequencies that satellite TV rides on. The scripture says that all of creation belongs to God. And so that means when his children and when his people have a need, he says, you go get what you need. I'll see to it that you have it to carry out every assignment that I give you. I ain't got no help over here. Let me just try over here. Let me tell you something. I used to live in Hawassee in those beautiful mountains, and I love them so much. And I used to say this to myself. I was trying to teach myself to build my faith. 
And I learned from spiritual parents and from my own parents that when you want to build faith, when you want to break out of an old level into a new level, you have to get radical about what you believe God for. And so there were times I would go for hikes or for going walks in the mountains. And this is what I would start saying. These are my mountains. These are my mountains. God gave them to me. Now, there's no document that says that. There's no verse in Scripture that says, this is Jordan's special mountain. No, what was I saying to myself? This belongs to God. And if he tells me I can go there, I can go there. If he tells me there's prosperity and provision for me over there, that means when I get there, everything I need will be waiting on me. I encourage some of you, you need to start riding around your neighborhood saying, my God owns this neighborhood. I'd walk right up into my house and say, First National Bank don't own this house. Tinker Federal doesn't own this house. This is my house. God is giving me this house. I'd get in my car and say, Navy Federal don't own this house. He doesn't own this car. God owns this house and this car because it's brought forth from the earth. And God owns all of it. He's only letting us borrow it. I'm going to try that one more time. God is only letting us borrow it. And when we look at the nations of the world and the corporations and the businesses of the world, sometimes it's easy for us to point our finger and call them evil and call them wicked because we see how they use and weaponize the resources of the world. But here's what I want to say. There's coming a day where every person must give an account for their words and for their actions and every government leader, every king, every prince, and even every ex-prince will have to give an account for their deeds and for their words. Every CEO, every small business owner and leader, every manager, every pastor, every prophet, every evangelist, we will have to give an account. And our God is going to set the record straight. The scripture says, and the last shall be first. And so I need to remind somebody today that there may be powerful people. There may be powerful companies or corporations in the world but only temporarily. God will come and see that every record is set straight and every account is settled because all of the earth belongs to Him. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 17 and 19 says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness are mine. My fruit is better than gold. Yes, better than even fine gold. And my revenue is better than choice and silver. And so I want to remind you that God knows our needs. And the planet that we call home, every single inch of it belongs to to him, but I would be leading you astray to stop at materialism alone because the ultimate reward for sons and daughters of God is that we get to know him. He is our great reward. And so I have learned this that you may have lots of things in life, but if you don't have the presence of God, you are in fact 
quite poor. And meanwhile, there are people who live day to day, hand to mouth, and they live in what we Americans would consider poverty. And yet they know the presence of the Lord. And I would look at them and call them rich because the scripture in Proverbs says, it's better to enjoy a humble morsel in peace than to have a feast in a house full of strife. And so the point is this, that peace and prosperity is not just measured by how many zeros are in our bank accounts or how tall our houses are or how long our cars are. True peace and prosperity is measured and recognized when we do in fact know God. When we seek Him, we will know the blessed life. And you don't need to have shame in asking God for more of Him. Don't be ashamed to ask, God, I want more peace. I want more prosperity. God, show me on a deeper level what my purpose is. God, show me more. God, I'm running after you. Teach me more. Reveal to me more. Take me deeper because he has the ultimate income statement. And I want to tell you this, that he wants to meet the desires of your heart. And when you ask God for bread, He will give you bread. Because even natural fathers who are sometimes wicked will not give their sons a stone when they ask for bread. God will fulfill all the desires of your heart. One of the next things that is required for someone seeking to adopt is they need what is called next step references. And so they, just want, they don't want to know who is mom and dad. They want to know who's auntie and who is uncle, who's grandma, who's grandpa, who are the rest of the members of the family. And so I want to remind someone of the scripture that comes from Matthew 6 and 26 that says this, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And so the first person who testifies, who is a good reference for God's goodness, is creation. The scripture says that the stars when they shine and the moon when it shines is praising the Lord. When the trees make a noise, when the wind blows through them, they're glorifying and magnifying the Lord. And Jesus even said, if you all don't praise me, even the stones will cry out because even a rock knows how good God is. And so you need to know every day when you get up and the sun is coming up over that Oklahoma horizon, what is all of creation saying? God is good. God is good. God is good. Today is a new day, and His mercies are new every morning. Even creation knows that God is good. And something we need to understand as we think about these things is that God has always wanted to dwell with us. A word from the Old Testament that confirms that is that God has always wanted to tabernacle with us. He wants to live with us. And all of our story is pointing to this fact. And Jesus came to fulfill this promise by becoming 
one of us. And so I don't have time to read it to you today. I encourage you to take your Bible home and read it some other time than church on Sunday. You'll be amazed at what that'll do for you. And if you need a reading assignment, go to Hebrews chapter 11 because I believe the Apostle Paul is teaching us about what he calls a great cloud of witnesses. And this great cloud of witnesses are not just heroes who killed giants or heroes who stabbed their staff into the ground and parted the Red Sea. They're sometimes the obscure heroes, those who were killed in the line of duty, some who died horrible deaths, and yet they would not relent. God is good. He is my Lord and my master, and even if you seek to kill me, I will not deny him. Some were turned into slaves. Many were beaten and abused so extreme that even some were sawn in half. And they would not give up their witness. They kept their reference that God is the best thing that has ever been or ever will be. I don't know about you, but as a son of the Most High, my heart cry is, God, keep me strong. God, let my roots be planted deep in your love for me. Give me breath that on my last day on this planet, I will have the energy to testify and to preach the goodness of God because he's faithful, he is merciful, and he is good. I wonder, is there anybody in here will give me a wave and say, God, give me strength to be a witness. And so there's another person who is a great reference for God's goodness. And that is, in fact, the Holy Spirit. All the, they must be all the Anglican folk over here. If you're Anglican, we love you. Some of my favorite folk are Anglican. But is there any Pentecostal folk over here will help me recognize that the Holy Spirit is constantly witnessing and testifying to the goodness of Father God. Romans chapter 8 verses 17 and 19 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage for the purpose of fear, but you received the capital S, spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are also heirs. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we suffer with Christ, then we will also be glorified with Christ. I need to remind you today that speaking in tongues is not the only thing that the Spirit does. He comes to bear witness in our souls that Father God has adopted us and that when we walk with Jesus, when we serve Jesus, when we preach Jesus, when we live Jesus, and when we testify and suffer about Jesus, you're walking a path that says this, there's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. His inheritance will be all people, all of creation, and he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And guess what? His inheritance, 
is my inheritance because he has come to adopt us forever. One of the last steps in the interview process is there is an interview that is conducted with the already existing children of the potential mother and father. And so, isn't it so miraculous and so wonderful and so perfect for us that we're not only called to relate to our father and our creator, we have an older brother the true older brother who is a friend that is closer than even a brother can be. And so if you want to know how is God as a father, a good person to ask is his firstborn and only begotten son. And this is what our older brother, God's firstborn son, says to us about our Creator. This comes from John chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. And from now on, you have known him, and you have seen him. And the follower Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I not been with you long enough for you to know? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And yet you haven't known, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Can't you hear the heart of our older brother? He's saying, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is so good that even I choose to be like him. When I seek him, when I pray to him, when I worship him, the purpose is for me to be one with him. Now, I know a lot of sons that have good dads. And if you ask them, do you want to be just like your dad when they're young? They'll say, oh, yeah, I want to be just like daddy. As they get older and they see daddy a little bit better, there are some things you'll start saying, well, I don't know if I want to be just like dad. Can't get no help from all them Pentecostal folks. Let me try the Anglicans over here. Did you ever look at your mom and dad and go, I don't want to be nothing like that? Well, joke's on you because you turned out just like them anyway. So, Jesus comes along. And don't you know that he had a choice? You say, well, he's so much like God, he didn't have a choice. Uh, no, 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 no. Remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? What was one of the ways that Satan tempted him? If you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the nations of the world. Jesus could have chose then to be like Satan, to worship Satan. But what we all know what Jesus chose. He said, no, you shall have no other God except the Lord. I will worship my Father. You get behind me, you old rascal. Jesus chose to be like his father because he knew his father. And he knew that Father God, Jehovah, Yahweh, he is the best. Now if my band will come, please. This is what happens once you are adopted into a new family. 
I love this so much. It's a very interesting fact that when you have biological children, it is possible for you to give them up and let them go. When you adopt a child, their old record, their old um, birth certificate, and any record indicating that they had a former set of parents is completely destroyed. In some nations, they physically destroy any old documentation associating you with your old family. Here in America, those documents are sealed under a court seal that cannot be broken. And so that means that if you used to belong to Jimmy and Tammy and you get adopted by Bobby and Leah, guess what? Now you're a part of this family and the court makes it so that now there is no way for you to go back. You cannot disown an adopted child. Did you know that? I figured some saved folk would have been a little more excited about that because you know what that means for me and you know what that means for you it doesn't matter what you used to be into it doesn't matter who you used to be associated with I need to tell some people in this room because we love the Lord and and we're like any other church we want to put on our best face it's not always because we want to be manipulative sometimes we just come and we just want to be happy before God but here's what I do know that in this room there are adulterers There's drug addicts, alcohol addicts, alcoholics. There are folks struggling with pornography, people who have struggled with homosexuality, people who have had abortions, people who have been thieves, people who have committed murder are in this room. How do I know that? There's enough of us statistically, all the boxes are checked, and I know that that is what human beings do. And you may be listening to me and said, well, I never done any of that. And you're guilty of being prideful. And so, here we all are. All of our mess, all of our sin, all of our history, all of our past. And our Father is looking at us and He's saying, if you will let me, I will adopt you into my family. And the name that the world used to give you, the label that the world put on you, I will destroy that record. I will seal that record under my blood. And it's so far from you, it's like the east being separated from the west. And so here's what I need to tell some people in this room. Don't you forget what God separated you from. There may be some people, you walked in here today, you're struggling. You're struggling. You're fighting with some things. There's some things from the world that's got its hooks in you. It's got its paws on you, trying to hold you back and pull you back. And you need to hear something. There is nothing that your Father in heaven cannot redeem. There is nothing that He cannot redeem. There is no sin too great or greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your socioeconomic status is. It doesn't matter if you got away with it or if they just let you out of jail for it. God is in heaven with arms open wide looking at you and screaming it from the heavens. Come to me, come to me and I will redeem everything. 
from your past. Another thing that happens when we're welcomed into the family of God is that we get a name change. We have a new name over us. And so many of us, we've been believers. We've walked with the Lord, some of us for decades. Some of us from our earliest memories, we've known the ways of the Lord. Some of us not very long at all. But here's something you need to remember. It's not always longevity that is the determining factor of a thing. Because when we take on a new name, guess what we now have access to? A new future. And so I need to remind people, whether you've been with God five minutes or you've been with Him for 50 years, He's always seeking to bring you into a new season, a new land, a new level that looks like what? Prosperity and it flows with milk and honey. And so embrace the new name and new identity that God has for you. With your new name comes a new heritage. Some of us, you may have lived a good life. But you may have carried shame and guilt for many years over who your parents were or who they were not. But when you come to the cross and you join a new family, you're taking on the heritage of the household of faith. And so now guess what? The people whom I draw my heritage from are not just Greg and Lisa or Wallace and Shelby or Verlin and Margie. That's not just my heritage anymore. Now my heritage is God the Father and Creator. Now my heritage is Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Moses and Joshua and, and even rowdy old Samson is now part of my heritage and King David and his son Solomon and the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel are a part of my heritage. And guess what? Peter, James, and John, and the Apostle Paul, and, and Mary, they're part of our heritage now. Those are the ones who went before me. Great heroes of faith. And we know that the ultimate is our brother and our Lord Jesus. He is the center of our new heritage saying yes to all of these things may be summarized quite simply as saying this you take we are taking on the identity that God has always had for us and if I can be so bold there's a final thought that I would like to leave with you today and that is that when you become the son or daughter that God has always wanted you to be that is the version of you that all of creation is crying out for. Many times we fall into the trap of trying to become the person that we think other people will like. And we wind up making ourselves slaves to other people's opinions of us. But if I may be so bold, the only real opinion you need to be worrying about is the opinion of the one who made you and who formed you. Become that person and you will find that those around you will start to love you and be drawn to you because why? You're becoming the person He always intended you to be. And here's something you need to know about the family of God. 
our identity changes, but the identity of the parent does not. Revelation 14 and 1 says this, Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. We live in a day, there's a lot of talk about microchips and tattoos and the mark of the beast being on evil and wicked people. And you do need to take those scriptures seriously. But I do want to remind you, the enemy will try to mark you. But our Father in heaven, he also has a mark that he puts on us so that all of the cosmos, all of the spiritual world, all of the created world looks at us and says, the us into his new family. Come on, if there's anybody that you're grateful today that the old things have passed away and all things are being made new, will you help me lift your voice? Lift that voice and say, God, I'm grateful today that you've adopted me. Because you're a good, good father. this room today and you say I've never met my heavenly father or my creator our prayer teams are coming to the front and so if you say I don't know the father I don't I've not known Jesus or maybe it was a long time ago I've turned away I've run away I went off doing my own thing maybe you say I picked up the old identity I've been living like I was in my old family I need a fresh connection. I need a fresh commitment back into the family of God. Our prayer teams are here to pray with you and believe with you that God is always welcoming you back into His family. And there's another group of folks that we want to pray with this morning. And you may say, you know what, preacher? I love everything that you're saying. I've come to church. I've even served. I've given to the house of God. but..." I can't say that I've ever really felt or known the love of God. First of all, I want to say uh, that is normal for some people. That has been many of our experience. That doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you evil. Here's all you have to do. Run to God. Run to God, not to a man, not to a woman, not to a person. Run to God and say, God, let me feel your love. 
pour out your love on me. Show me your heart for me. And so we're here to pray with you for that end, that the Lord will pour out His love on you. There are many of you in the room, you may be believing for a breakthrough in your family, your business, in your finances. There's some of you that you need prayer for healing. We are here to pray with you this morning. So as I dismiss anyone who needs prayer, please come and let us pray with you today. Lord, I lift up each one to you and I speak a blessing over them. I call them the healed of the Lord, the blessed of the Lord. And I declare over them that they are becoming the family of the Lord. Holly and I love you. The leadership here loves you. Please, if you need prayer today, please come and let us pray with you. Teachers, family, friends, visitors, what an exciting morning. What an, a message to hear. You know, we do have a God. We do have a Father who loves us. Isn't that great news to you? He loves us the way we are. We don't have to change. We don't have to prepare. We don't have to get ready. We can just run to Him the way we are because He's a good Father. He accepts us and He makes us, turns us into what He intends us to be. So I want to, I pray today that you are encouraged, that you are challenged, that you can set aside all these things that are holding you back and say, you cannot get to God. The message today is, yes, you can. He is a good father and he's waiting for you, waiting to carry the burdens, waiting to forgive you your sins, waiting to take the loads off of you that you try to carry yourself every single day. He is a good father. And because he is a good father, we are children who are well taken care of you. I want to leave you with this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we can come to you and we can give you all our burdens. We can give you all our anxiety, depression, all our angst for life. We thank you that you provide in everything we need because you are our Father. And before we even realize we needed it, you have already identified it. What if God to serve? What if Father to serve? Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay it all down today. Is this your first time visiting with us? And would you like to accept Jesus in your life? Please reach out to us. Go to the, the, the worship guide and send us an email. It is very easy. All you have to do is say, Jesus, Forgive me for my sin. I surrender my life to you. And that is what he's waiting for, the invitation to start a new and a great work in you. Have a blessed week. And remember, we love you and there is nothing you can do about it. See you again next week.